Thanks, Josh. Hi. I'm hi. I'm doing well, Tyler. I am doing well. Thank you for asking. You know, I had lunch earlier today. It was pretty good. Is this not the right time for this conversation? Is that no? Um, it's never too. We can always be friendly. Um, hello, everybody. I'm Brian. Uh, my name is Brian Williams, and I'm the young adults pastor here. Um, I preach every once in a while, and I'm thankful I get to do it tonight. Um, and get to share with you uh, just some stuff that God has put uh, before me and hopefully before all of you that will hopefully help you and serve you. Um, so if you're not, if you're new to what's going on around here, um, welcome. Glad you're here. We uh, have spent quite a while talking about romance in the kingdom of God, and there's a lot to that. There's a whole lot to it. And even even if you just like go romance in like, you know. I don't know, on Instagram, <laughs> like, like in the most like narrow sphere of things. There's like so much to talk about because you've probably encountered so many weird things where you're like, but how do I, but what if I, he's cute. I don't know. Like, why does this person keep DMing me? How do I handle that? Like things get complicated, right? It gets really messy. And uh, so we've been talking about that over the last couple weeks, a couple, like a lot, but we finished the series. We finished all that we had planned to talk about, but then we realized based on a lot of the things you guys were saying and talking about and sharing with me and Sarah um, is that there's more things to talk about, that we need to take more time on this. We're just doing uh, this week, next week, and we'll kind of be wrapping it up after that. Um, but my hope is that this is a conversation that continues. Um, actually, I don't, I don't even need to hope that. It's gonna, right? Like, is, does, does like romance not dominate like a lot of your mind and attention and conversations? Pro probably for many of you. Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna happen. And so it's important that we talk about how to go about it, that we wrestle with it together that you're not wrestling with it in isolation, nor wrestling with it independent of the one who kind of created all this stuff, which is the Lord himself, um, who kind of understands you better than anyone else, who understands what, it's, what the, the healthiest way to navigate emotions and feelings and, and attraction, who can coach you through the complexities of relationships and disappointment and all that kind of stuff. We got to do it with him. We got to be talking through these things in, in the uh, under the umbrella of the Lord himself and his word. So tonight, uh, one of the things that kept coming up uh, in various ways was basically about like emotional boundaries and about guarding your heart, kind of how to do that. Um, what does that look like? There are lots of questions about that. And I can speak from experience for myself. Uh, I have been in uh, that place many times uh, where I'm like, I... My emotions went further than the relationship was. And then I bore the brunt of that. I had to deal with that on the back end. I've been in the place on the other side where uh, someone else's emotions towards me went further than the relationship was. And I had to navigate that and figure out how to like help and not make things worse. And there's also moments, to be honest, where I can look back and where I was able to suddenly see or actually was just kind of aware but ignoring the fact that I was kind of doing it on purpose because it felt nice, because it was good, because it was like, ah, oh, this makes me feel good. I didn't have no intention, but maybe you've been there on one end of that. This stuff is, 
messy, it makes things worse, not better, right? When we don't handle these things well. Um, and so that's why we're talking about this tonight. Because it's important. We need coaching. Uh, I think we all need coaching. And that's what I'm going to try and do tonight. Uh, you'll kind of see as we go along uh, why I mean try. Because this is complex. Guarding our hearts is complex. Okay, guard your heart. That's maybe a phrase you've heard before, especially if you've grown up in the church or been uh, a part of the church. And yeah, the church. Yeah. Um, then that might be a phrase you've used or you, you've like heard before. Well, it comes out of Proverbs 4, um, chapter, or chapter 4, verse 23. And uh, it's just this one quick line, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. As the examples I just showed or talked about, like we kind of understand the importance of guarding a heart because we've understood what it's like when it hasn't been protected well. We, we know the unsettled, disjointed corruption of our hearts and feelings when we let the wrong things in. Or when we embrace and surrender our hearts to the wrong things or to the wrong people in the wrong ways, the wrong times. Like we know that. This proverb's calling out the truth. Things we already know but sometimes don't quite own up to is that like, whoa, whoa, slow down. This is a big deal. Like take more, take this more seriously. Protect this more intentionally because it's vital that you do. It's at the core of who you are. This proverb calls to attention the pinnacle seat of who we are that our hearts are because it's so, all of our, all that we do flows from it. Okay, there's this guy in preparing for this uh, that I read his stuff and uh, his name's John Gill. He's a theologian. He was a pastor in like the 1700s and I really loved his reflection on this one sentence. And the first part of it goes like this. He's, he's reflecting on this, and he's, he starts kind of talking about the various faculties that make up our hearts, the different things that compose our hearts. And he writes this. Listen carefully, okay? With diligence, we are to keep our understanding from error, to keep our will from perverseness, the conscience clear of guilt, our affections from being inordinate and set on evil objects, and the thoughts from being employed on bad subjects, and the whole, that is the heart, from falling into the hands of the enemy. Great diligence needs to be used in keeping it, since it is naturally so deceitful and treacherous. That's referencing Jeremiah 17.9, says the heart is deceitful above all things, beyond cure, who can understand it? A strict eye is to be kept upon it. All the avenues to it are to be watched, that nothing hurtful enters or, or that anything evil comes out. It is to be kept by all manner of means that can be thought of, by prayer, by hearing, by reading, by meditating, and above all, by applying to Christ for his grace and spirit to sanctify, preserve, and keep it. So, this was really helpful for me. Um, it kind of focused my mind in on what is the heart even? 
Because guard your heart, like, what do we even mean? Even when we say emotions, we can name them, but like, where are they? What, what, what does it mean to guard them when I feel like I can't control them? Right? Like, what is that? And he gives such a clear line at the top that basically our heart is understanding, it's our will, it's our conscience, it's our affections, and it's our thoughts. All of those things together, wrapped up, summed up, that is our heart. Those make up the essence of who we are. And from there, right, as the passage says, everything we do flows from those things, from our heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. He continues, the heart is the seat of our everyday life, from whence all actions of life are derived, from whence all spiritual and vital actions flow and which lead unto and issue an eternal life. As is a man's heart, such is his state right now, and so it will be hereafter. If the heart, listen to this, if the heart is quickened and sanctified by the grace of God, the man will live. And the man will not just live, he will live a life of faith and holiness here and enjoy everlasting life hereafter. And if the heart is right, so will one's actions be. And actions are regulated and dominated by the heart. They will be, they will then, our actions will then spring from right principles and be directed to right ends and performed with right views and great care, therefore, should be taken of the heart since so much depends on it. And it is so well known to God, the searcher of it. I love this. The heart is quickened and sanctified by the grace of God. That is what defines the trajectory of our hearts. What is it quickened by? What is it stirred by? Is it by our own selfish ambitions? Is it by winning? Is it by not having pain? Is it by what, what, what stirs our conscience and our, what was the list? Our conscience, our understanding, our will, our affections, our thoughts, those things together, like what's at the core of those? What motivates us? What moves us? And it seems like it could be a million things, but it's actually a binary question. It's either God or it's not. To guard your heart, the real question is just that. What dominates your heart? Is it the Lord or is it anything else? Because to guard our hearts is to basically work towards that effort of, Lord, it's all about you. Lord, my heart, all that I am desires you above everything else. If the heart is quickened and sanctified, if it's being made right by the grace of God, then it will be directed to right ends. That is, it will desire for truly good things, resulting in actions performed with right views, that is, intentions and perspective, and all of that springing forth from the right principles, the ethos that comes from God and helps us observe others and ourselves rightly. It'll spring forth from the right principles sown into the fabric of, of our hearts by God himself. If you want to learn to guard your heart, or have emotionally healthy boundaries, this is what we're really asking for. This is the good stuff. 
This is the stuff that comes by the grace of God, which is his unwarranted blessing. Yeah, um, Jillian, back there. Could you put up, could you put up the, the uh, bridge of the last song we sang? The bridge of the last song. Um, that's confusing. <laughs> All right. Do you recognize, like, like, think about what we just said here. I lift my hands up, lay my whole life down. My whole life down before you. If you saw someone on the street, you know, you're driving down the street and you see someone come from like behind a wall or whatever, and they're just like, what would you think? What's the first, first thought that comes to mind? Surrender. <laughs> Surrender, right? I mean, you might have all these other additional thoughts, but ultimately it's surrender, right? <laughs> You'd be like, I'm turning around or like, you know, there's many things. But anytime someone raises their hands, it's a, it's a display, it's a show of surrender. And so it has been forever. <laughs> it's always been a show of surrender. As we lift our hands up and lay our whole lives down, it is an act of surrender. It's a display of surrender. It's to say, Lord, I give up. I give up my striving. I give up my justifications. I give up my pride. I give up my achievements because I recognize that they just don't weigh out. And I need you. We need him. If you don't know Jesus, I'm going to be talking about wisdom. We're going to be talking about all, all sorts of stuff, but it's kind of pointless if you don't know him. Because I can tell you good, wise things to do and ways to live, but that really doesn't help you if you don't know him. You can live a good life, an upstanding life, a life that is as free of trouble as possible and still, still, not know what life really is, not know what the good life actually looks like. I just want to say, if you have never put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, or me saying that is confusing, please come talk to me after. Please come talk to me. Because Jesus died for you because you couldn't do anything on your own. I couldn't do anything on my own. I'm so weak. And it's not until I recognize my weakness and his strength to come and rescue me that then I can actually truly live and I can be free from the striving. Because at the end, what I'm going to be talking about is kind of like a surrender. It's just a surrender. To guard your heart, to have healthy boundaries, it kind of requires surrendering. Otherwise, you're just strangling. <laughs> you're strangling, you're controlling, you're fighting to just make your life better and to not hurt. And all that does is hurt you and hurt others. So, guarding your heart is not something you can do well independent of God. And the reality is that it's not just about you. You can't guard your heart and have emotional boundaries unless there's someone else involved, really. Because if you're like, I'm having emotional boundaries with myself. Brian, stop taking advantage of me. Okay. <laughs> like, it doesn't... What's the point? Like, it, it, it happens in the context of relationship. 
So I'm going to explain something that you've probably heard before um, or felt before. So let's say uh, I'll, I'll, describe, I'll describe a situation, like, like a scenario, and see if this seems familiar or resonates at all with you, okay? So there's a guy at the gym. He's always kind of looking at you, hanging out with you. You know, you're like, oh, he's kind of cute. But then one day you suddenly realize, I don't know if he actually likes me or he just needs someone to spot him. And I can't tell the difference. Anyone ever been there? <laughs> Maybe. What about this? I've been here. You suddenly recognize that you are the couple that isn't a couple. But everyone thinks you're a couple because they kind of like you're, they, they notice you're acting like a couple and you talk about each other like a couple would. Uh, and yet you vehemently, you vehemently, vehemently, that's a hard word. You, you say we're not a couple. <laughs> Does that sound familiar to anyone? That was my story. And then I married that girl, so that worked out well. Yeah, she's great. You should meet Amy if you don't know her. What about this? You have a friend, uh, and you spend a lot of time with him, and you both really enjoy each other. You have so much fun. It's so much fun to be together, and uh, it often seems like he's flirting with you, but then maybe also he isn't because he kind of flirts with everybody but you're not sure what to do because you kind of like him. And then you really like him. And then you're like, oh, no. What about that one guy at church that always seeks you out afterwards and you always let him buy you fries it in and out? <laughs> and yet... And yet, you know you will never be interested in him. But you just let it keep going. Because it feels so good. Got any ideas what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think so. If it hasn't been you, it's been someone else. You've seen it. I think the word for this is situationship. Yeah? When you're like, we're a thing, but we're not a thing. Or I think we're a thing, but they don't think we're a thing. Like, it basically, it's just whenever it's complicated, right? Whenever it's really complicated. This is kind of my understanding, my definition of like what's involved in a situationship, and it's these things. Indecisiveness, ambiguity, fear of loss, lack of self-control, ignorance, and faithlessness. That's a rough list, right? These are the pitfalls. These are the pitfalls of romantic exploration, a.k.a. dating. These are the pitfalls, and they are real. They're a real threat, and so there's reason to be mindful of them, to guard your hearts uh, against them, because these are significant, and they kind of mess stuff up. Not just you, but others. Like, they bring not heaven to earth, but more of earth to earth, <laughs> like more sin, more brokenness. There are risks. This is a risk. You can't avoid this. 
Anybody like not like that I just said that? Or you're like, what? You can't avoid this. You can't avoid these things. Situationships are just the reality of when they're not actually dealt with. You're going to have it. You're going to navigate this stuff. The issue is when you don't navigate it, when you just stay in it, and you just keep operating in it, and you don't actually deal with it. The risk of any relationship are these things. But the reward comes when we navigate these things well, when we deal with them, when we mitigate them and manage them. Make sense? You have to take risks in, in order to build a relationship, but you don't have to be reckless. So let's not be reckless. Amen? Amen. All right. So I'm going to try and get practical. So guarding your heart. We want to do that, right? That's the why and the what. Guard your heart. The how is boundaries. The how is boundaries. And a simple definition of boundaries would be this, discernment, self-control, and communication. If you read the literature related to boundaries, if you just talk about, if you talk to a therapist, <laughs> they might not use these words, but really all they're talking about, discernment, self-control, communication. Those things, aka wisdom. Boundaries is the same thing as wisdom. You need wisdom to have boundaries that are actually productive and useful and effective. And the Bible's full of it. It's full of good stuff. Uh, there's two extremes here. How many of you drive? Uh, okay, I'm not going to ask that question because it's an extreme. Uh, there's two extremes. Oh, uh, yeah, Josh drives. Uh, and I, I would guess you're actually not this first one. So there's the people who get in the car and then immediately turn on the GPS. All right. <laughs> right? And you're like, you might be going from the grocery store to home, and you're like, I'm GPS in that thing. Or you're going from home to the gas station, and they're like a block away, GPS. Right? That's like an extreme. The person who drives, and they're like, I'm GPS. I'm GPS in everything. And there's a reward to that. There's a good part of it. You're probably doing it for a reason, because you don't have to make decisions. Because it's not hard. You don't have to think about it. You just follow orders. It says turn left. I'm turning left. And this usually really aggravates the people on the other side of the extreme because they're like, there's a faster way. You know, it's like, but the GPS told me to turn left here. And it's like, yeah, but if you had gone up here and made a left, you know, like there's another way. And the other side is the person who just navigates by horse sense. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like you, like you navigate like by the lay of the land. And, and you're like, you, you're just dead reckoning. I can tell like time, distance, direction. You're like, yeah, it's probably around here. And you're like landmarks. You're the person, I'll just say, I skew towards this, uh, who like is driving and you know you'll get there, but you can't quite imagine exactly how. <laughs> but you know you will. Yeah. Yeah, so there's two extremes. There's two extremes in driving. Now, I think for most of us, we kind of all, for everybody in here, you recognize, even if you operate in one of those extremes, you recognize that there's actually healthy places to use both, or at least effective places. 
There's times when you're like, no, I'm like, for me, I'm, I love the adventure and the challenge of like, I've mastered this land. I can navigate anywhere. Like, I love the challenge of like proving to myself that I can do it. And yet I also know like, I'm going to use GPS sometimes because it's way easier. And especially if it's going somewhere I've never gone before. And if you're on the other side and use, use GPS all the time, you also know there's times where it's like, this is kind of cumbersome. And it'd be way more efficient to not use it. And because I know where I'm going, I know where mom's house is. Like, I'll get there. You know, you know how to get there. And then also we both know that there's places in the middle where you might start with GPS and it gets you close, but it's not going to get you there. And you're like, I'm in the vicinity. It says it's right here, but it's not. And so then what do you got to do? You got to move over here. You got to adapt. You got you to like get off that GPS and go, okay, wait, what do I see? What do I see? I see a sign. Oh, the pink berry. That's it. That's why they wanted. You know, like, and you get where you want to go. The same is true the other way. We recognize that we need to be adaptable. And what often happens when we come to things like boundaries and guarding our hearts is that we choose one of these two and don't recognize we need a little bit of both. And we need to be ready to adapt. More often than not, what I see and what I've experienced is that most people, especially in their 20s, I guess, operate more in the GPS zone when it comes to this sort of stuff. It can be just give me the answer. Just give me orders. Tell me what to do. I just want to know what to do. But the reality is that when it comes to wisdom and guarding your heart and boundaries, it's much more, much, much more of a horse sense thing. <laughs> and that's hard to hear, maybe. Maybe you're like, oh, thank God. Like, don't tell me what to do. I have a good sense, whatever. I don't know. But, but the reality is it's, it's way more complex. It's not just orders. It's, it's a thing that you have to navigate in relationship right? Do relationships work according to orders? Not usually. Rigid structure, that's usually a give and take. It's a thing you have to navigate it a moment at a time along the way. You have to assess and reassess and reassess. You have to constantly be thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I know we will. You have to have that hope deep down that even when you don't see the end, that you know an end can be achieved. And you have to go at it. Now that also means a whole lot of trial and error. That's just what it requires. It's a reality of what, what's happening when we're figuring out how to have wisdom. Wisdom is, is right in line with maturity. And that only comes about through trial and error most often. You know, I know for myself, like anything, any wisdom, I, I've talked with lots of you. And I am so thankful that I, I can see the moments and times where God has given me wisdom to share some things with some of you guys. And I can be like, oh my gosh, Lord, you're so good. And some of that is stuff that I'm just like, that was him. <laughs> like, that was just him. Others of it, I go, dang, Lord, six years ago when X, Y, Z, thank you. Thank you for that failure. Because look, I'm wise. I've gained something from it, and it's benefiting others. But you know what? That failure had to happen. <laughs> like, why? 
I didn't want it to happen. In the moment, I was like, this is the worst. This is dumb. Like, just tell me what to do. But it is actually through the process of failing and going, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I don't know. And it's through that that I actually gained wisdom, that I actually matured, that I actually figured out how to do this stuff. And I'm still in that process too. So any wisdom you have received from me, anything that I might be able to share with you tonight, most of it is results of my failure. Some of it's results of the scriptures and of other people speaking into me and observing their failures. But, but that's a messy process. And so it's not going to be clean. It's not going to be super straightforward. Um, with that, I want to encourage you just don't give up. If you're in that relationship and you're in that spot and you're like, man, this is so hard. Like I, we've been such good friends and it's been so awesome, but now I have feelings and I just don't want to mess it all up. Be gracious with yourself and be hopeful. Be hopeful that God is doing something. If you're that person who's like recognizing, which I've been in this spot where I'm like, suddenly, you know, somebody comes and it's like, hey, I really like you and it seems like you like me. And I've had to be like, I don't. But I've been leading you on. Dang it. Dang it. And I have to go before the Lord and be like, man, I suck. <laughs> like, I totally suck. Those are the moments when God is doing something. Don't give up in those moments and don't crumble inside of like failure is my inevitability. Like my guilt and shame, my like ability, I can't read people and I never will be able to. Don't give up. You're just in the process. You're just in the process. And that's okay. It's good to be in the process because it's what we got to do. We'll end up in a good spot when we land on the other side of it. So um, I want to give practical wisdom, I hope, in this. Um, how you navigate this, right? It, it's, I don't have a GPS, um, but I can give you uh, some landmark kind of things that might be helpful. Um, all right, tips. So three things. I'm just going to list off a couple things. Um, General ideas. Uh, one, uh, guarding your heart and boundaries consists of these three things. Assessing your own emotions and thoughts. Assessing the other person's cues and communication. And relying on God's wisdom for that moment. That's it. It's those three things. And it's those three things again and again and again and again and again. Because the reality is there's moments where uh, you're having a conversation, or I, I'll just speak for myself, where I'm having a conversation and I'm like, man, I really need to say, like there's, there's something I need to say. But just feeling like I need to say it or knowing it's something that they should hear or that it's true doesn't mean that that's the right time to share it. Wisdom is the one that in that moment slows and assesses my own thoughts and emotions. Where is this coming from? Why? How? Why do I feel like I need to say it? Why do I want to say it? Assesses them. What are the cues they're showing me? What have they already communicated? What am I seeing right now in this moment? And brings that before the Lord and says, Lord, I need your help. 
Lord, what should I do? Because in that, there are times where I've had conversations and I've got, I'm like, I got to say this. I know the thing I need to say. But in this process, in the, in the moment of that horse sense of wisdom that comes about, it's like, now's not the time. Now's not the time. But then, like a minute later, it's like, oh, now's the time. I can't not say it. I have to. And yet, looking back, it's like, that was the wrong time. That would have been detrimental. But a moment later, it was just the right thing to do and say. To express my feelings then, not right. To express my feelings now, right. To say I'm really hurt by you then, right. To say it an hour later, wrong. Do you see, what, do you see the complexity of this? I, I can't give you straight rules and say do this all the time. Because then I'll be steering you wrong and you might cause more pain and harm than good. I can't say if you're in a complicated state and... Uh, this relationship's confusing and, and you were friends and now you like each other, and, but then it's just whatever. Whatever circumstances are at play, you like each other, but it can't happen. And so that means every time what you should do is not text each other ever again. Maybe. That might be the right thing to do. But also that might be like a terrible thing to do. And the only way to figure it out is wisdom. And is going through this process of assessing your own emotions and thoughts, assessing the other person's cues and communication, and relying on God's wisdom and direction for that moment. So first, assessing your own thoughts and emotions. Don't go places in your mind someone has not invited you to. Sarah says this a lot, and I think it's great. Don't go places in your mind someone has not invited you to. This requires self-awareness. It requires self-control. Like 2 Corinthians, taking thoughts captive and submitting them to the Lord. Like, don't let those daydreams run. Like when you're just building some sort of like mental scrapbook of all the things that could be. Some future that you're building in your mind. Oh, the possibilities. Our children would be so cute. Careful of that stuff careful. That's all I'm saying. Okay? Don't let your heart go somewhere. Don't let your mind go somewhere someone hasn't invited you to. I also say, um, careful with friends with that too. Maybe I'll call it girls specifically, okay? Because guys would kind of be like, yeah, yeah, she's cool, whatever, man. Like, but girls, like, there does tend to be a little more of the like, oh, yes, you guys would be perfect together. You know? And it like, there's this like fuel that can add. Not all the time, but sometimes it can get unhealthy where it's like you help guard your sister's heart as well, right? Like don't just like let her mind run or your imagination run for her and like be like pushing that thing along. Actually guide her towards wisdom. Guide him towards wisdom. Is this, okay, one other thing. Don't let your... Don't let your mind go places someone has not invited you to. That may be uh, something where um, they have not invited you. I think that word, um, don't get hung up on that. Because uh, you can go knock on a friend's door and then not invite you in. Picking up what I'm putting down? Like, that doesn't mean don't communicate anything. It just means don't let your mind imagine and run with things that haven't been clarified yet. Okay, like 
you can communicate things and you should communicate things. There are doors you should knock on to see if you can be invited in. But don't let your mind go running until that invitation, that clarity is there. Second, self-awareness is the forerunner to self-control. Be aware of what is going on inside of you. Are you insecure? Are you defensive? Are you fearful? Are you jealous? Are you desiring a specific outcome? Are you nervous, excited, tired, hungry, seeking comfort, seeking vengeance, affirmation? Like slow down and, and try and understand what's going on within yourself. Because if you know where you are, you can better navigate to where you should be. If, if, you don't, if you're trying to have self-control without self-awareness, you're just going to be doing stuff. You're just going to be randomly acting and be like, I shouldn't feel this way. I'm doing this. Like, slow down to be like, why am I feeling what I'm feeling? Where is this coming from? Why do I feel like I should do this? And then from that place, you can faithfully assess where you should go and, can, and, and make the proper decisions to actually have self-control that's God-honoring and true and right and holy, all that kind of stuff. Uh, next, thank you guys for going through this stuff with me. You are not a slave to your feelings. You are not a slave to your feelings. Uh, to assess your own emotions and thoughts so that you can have boundaries, that you can, can guard your heart, I think it's important for us to recognize that you are not a slave to your feelings. I am not a slave to my feelings. Our feelings were made by God to serve us, not the other way around. We're not built to serve our feelings. Our feelings were meant to serve us. Um, do you know how ships, maybe you don't know this, I'll tell you. Ships have like flag systems and they have for a long time. Um, there's also like, you know, Morse code. You got like a light. But before that, before we had like lights and we could do like Morse, Morse code across the ocean from one ship to another, it's flags. So like every vessel um, of a certain size or depending on what it's supposed to do, is supposed to have like this box of flags. And all the flags have a different meaning. They even have correlations to letters so you can like spell things out, which sounds kind of weird, but it's actually ingenious. Like if you're looking across and you, you know, you're like pirate, like, you're like what are they doing? And they want to communicate something to you. They can run up the flags and literally spell something out with the flags. Or they can run up one flag and you just, and the people on the other side know that flag means X, Y, Z. Turning left, like, oh, okay, good, great. I'll turn right then. Like, you can do that kind of stuff. But that is only effective if you actually know what the flags mean. What's the point of the flags if you don't know what they mean? If you're not slowing down to, be, to look at them and observe them and actually pay attention to what the flags are saying. The same is true with our emotions. They're like flags that rise up within us to get our attention, to inform us of the deeper things that are going on within us. Feelings do not dictate behavior, or they shouldn't, but they serve us in self-awareness so that we can better negotiate the relationships in our life. They, they, they um, show us what's really going on, or at least they call our attention. You know, you may be super angry, and you're like, why? I've experienced this. I've experienced this many times. I, you probably have too. But when I get, I've gotten like super angry at my wife, and I'm like, feel so justified. I don't know why, just because I'm feeling it, I guess. And then when I actually slow down long enough to think, why am I angry? 
The, the, the feeling isn't just to be, I'm angry, and I'm angry, and that's that. It's to be like, I'm angry. Why am I angry? It's a flag to bring our attention so that we can actually assess what's going on. And when I've actually slowed down to be like, why am I angry? That is like, is that like such a key to unlock what's really going on? And I can be like, Lord, help me see what I don't see. What, what is this? And many times it's like, oh, I'm not angry at Amy. I'm making assumptions about she just said this in this way. And that feels like something that happened to me with XYZ. And so now I'm projecting that onto her. Oh, first I need to apologize to her. Next, I need to go actually deal with this other thing. I need to navigate this. Our feelings are flags that rise up to show us what's actually going on deep within us. And, and if we ignore them or we just, we just are slave to them, we won't actually be dealing with the things that they're raising up to show us what to deal with. We'll just be, I don't know, a leaf in the wind. Make sense? Yeah, maybe? Okay, cool. Uh, how do we do that? How do we get to know our feelings? How do we navigate that? I'll give you three practicals that I think are effective. Uh, prayer. Psalm 139, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Pray. Ask the Lord to reveal to you what's in your heart. Uh, next thing I'd say is journaling. Uh, journaling has been really helpful for me. Um, it slows me down. It slows down my thinking because I actually have to write the letters and words out. I actually have to construct intentional sentences. And so I have to think about the meaning of the things I'm putting down. And there's something uh, that I've found, and this is personally for me, I don't think there's like some special sauce here. I think this might just be the way the Lord's meets me. So it may not be for you, but I'm just sharing it with you because it's practical for me. That like in that process, the spirit of the Lord fills the gaps. Like in my slowing down and, and having to be like, how do I describe this? How do I describe what I'm feeling? How do I describe what I'm asking you for, Lord, or why I'm asking you for this? And in that, the Lord speaks so often. There is so many times when I feel frustrated, struggling. I can't figure out what I should do. I can't figure out what I'm feeling. I can't figure out why, whatever it is. And when I and I, maybe I've even wrestled for weeks, but the moment I sit down to journal and I say, okay, Lord, help me understand. And I just start pouring out to him through journaling. It slows me down to where he can speak in the middle of that. And often there's so, there's so much in my journals where I look back and I open it and I go, dude, that's wisdom. Like, that's amazing. And like, the reality is it's because I slowed down enough to let the Lord speak it. And for me, journaling helps with that. Maybe not for you, but it helps with that. It helps me slow down to let him speak into all the things I'm saying and thinking. The last I'll say is bring it to others. You know, Proverbs 2.5 says, The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but the one who has insight draws them out. So get the input of others, people who will draw out um, what's going on within your heart. That'll help with that. But be aware that it's got to be someone who has insight. Yeah, another word for insight could be wisdom. Um, have the right people around you who can help you. People who have wisdom, who are also seeking the Lord, and, and often the Lord will speak through them to you and help you understand what's going on within yourself. Um, you can't always know how people perceive you, but 
you can be self-aware and be ready to give a clear response when needed about what you are thinking and feeling or recognize from that when you need to ask for a clear response because of what you're thinking and feeling. The uh, Assessing the other person's cues in communication. All right, next one. Ready? Uh, oh. Um, be curious. I'm just going to go there. Be curious. When you're, when you're sitting across from someone and you're having a difficult conversation or an emotional conversation or whatever it might be, maybe it's just emotional for you. Maybe it's not for them. Kind of figure that out. Don't project what you're doing and feeling upon the whole thing. Acknowledge that they are a different person than you and they might be having an entirely different experience of what's going on. Be curious about that. What is their experience? What are they thinking? What are they feeling? And that allows you to then be able to figure out when you should speak, how you should speak. Maybe even realize, oh, I was making some assumptions that weren't true. Like, actually be curious about the other person. We, uh, we often can get so wrapped up in ourselves and our self-preservation that we skip the most important aspect of, of all of this, and that's that another person exists in this situation. It's not a game to be played. There is no winning. And if you have that mindset, you've already lost. Pursuing the other does not require giving up yourself. That's another thing. To be curious about someone else does not, does not mean that who you are doesn't matter. Uh, but rather, it does require concern for them. Do you see the difference? Uh, there's one is like a abandonment of all that you are, and the other is in the security of who you are, I care about you. And I'm curious about you. And I want to know what's going on within you. And that can even be true of people who hurt you. Like I said, this is, uh, this is the, not the GPS stuff, right? So there might be a situation where somebody has hurt you really badly. And you are very wounded. And you need to hold a very firm boundary. Like a wall. Not a fence, a wall. <laughs> like it needs to be a brick wall. Huge. But that still doesn't mean you can't be curious about the other person. Now, what that looks like will look very different than somebody where you're, the proper boundary is just like a line in the sand. And, and that's the boundary you need. And, and in that, there's, well, you're like, yeah, I'm totally free to be curious about them because I feel totally safe with them. Um, but in both, you can still be curious. You can still be curious about them. You can still care about what's going on for them. You can still be concerned for them. That doesn't mean you have to invite them into your whole life, nor does that mean you have to surrender your whole self to them. Um, one other thing for difficult conversations is a summary statement. I found this is really helpful. Um, if you, especially when you're having like that define the relationship conversation, uh, summarize. Like, like make a, some sort of summary statement at the end. And that sounds really formal, but it often doesn't feel that formal. Actually, pretty honoring. So... Um, there was a moment where, with my now wife, um, uh, it's the only one I've had that sounded like I've had multiple. Um, uh, uh, but when, when we, there was a moment where uh, we were very, things were very confusing. Things were very confusing. And uh, we ended up having this conversation uh, that started with like, hey, what's going on? 
and then led into like all sorts of other stuff of like, I don't feel giddy when I'm around you. Like, and I don't know what to do about that. And like went into like, it, it, it branched into all of these things that, that ended up leading us to where we needed to be. But at the end of the conversation, we had talked about so many things and so many possibilities. You know, we talked about, do we need to be giddy? Well, maybe like, do we need, but what is good? But what is our fears? What are, we had gone all over the place to the point where at the end, it was clear like a summary statement needed to be had. And I found this, I've, this is useful, not just in romantic stuff, but like in every conversation where there's ambiguity or when there's emotions involved, like give some sort of a summary statement. So give like a, like in that moment for Amy and I, it was like we had talked through it and I had voiced this as we went through the conversation. But at the end, I just, it, I was very clear, summary statement. I like being around you. I think we communicate really well and I'm blown away by how aligned we are in things. Stuff in life is about to get really, really busy for me for the next three months and I don't know how much I'm gonna be able to hang out with you. Um, and I don't really feel giddy about you. I've never been in a relationship with somebody I wasn't, I didn't have like butterflies in my stomach for. And I don't know if I need that. So I'm not going to pursue you. Like, does that make sense? That was like a two hour conversation that I summed up at the end. And then Amy did the same thing. And then I went home and was like, I have to marry this girl. Like, <laughs> it was like so amazing. I was like, wow, we just did that. Like, that was awesome. And, and it was great. But like the summary statement thing is really helpful because a lot of times, especially when it comes to these romantic stuff, you, so much comes pouring out that it gets really muddy. And so at the end, if you can kind of have some sort of a like, here's an action item or here's the like resolve, that, here's what I'm walking away with, it also gives an opportunity for them to clarify it. Does that make sense? So there's no assumptions so that there's just clarity between the two of you. Okay, great. Um, next, uh, especially if you have a summary statement from a conversation like that, take them at their word. Take them at their word. If they say, I'm not interested, take them at their word and then remind yourself of it over and over and over again. Make sense? Even, even like two weeks later when they're calling you again and they're like, hey, like just want to hang out. I have been thinking about you. I hope things are going well. Like, we can often read into stuff and it's like, well, maybe she has feelings for me again. Like kind of maybe like, and in those moments, remind yourself of what the words they actually said were. Make sense? Great. Um, next, uh, all friendships have seasons. All friendships have seasons. Whether uh, romance has never been a part of it or not, all friendships have seasons. So I think often, especially when we're like your friends and especially when you're like really good friends and then like one of you starts having feelings, you're like, but what do I do? I just don't want to like mess this up. Um, I don't want things to change. They already have. Right? They already have. So don't be afraid or deny that seasons exist. Embrace the reality that they do because they do. So deal with it talk about it, bring it forward. Cause friendships, they have seasons, change is a part of it. And that's true. Even just in like totally plutonic friendships, like it's going to change. Like somebody's going to move. Somebody's going to get a new job. 
You are going to, like, you're just learning things about yourself. You start playing pickleball, like whatever it might be. Like, they're going to change. So embrace the change. Just figure out how to navigate it well. Um, the question isn't will things change, but how do you navigate what, uh, what is so that what will be is as healthy as it can be? Okay? Um, the, a question that's come up a lot is can guys and girls be friends and things not get complicated? And I'll just say, like, I think yes and also no. Yes and also no. Um, it can, guys and girls can be friends and even really good friends and things be fine, but they will be complicated because every relationship is, every friendship is. Uh, the key, I think, is really being open-handed. Um, and what often happens when there's like emotional romantic feelings is we, it's the different than when it's just like my friend, Sean, you know, I'm like, Sean, you know, good dude. Like, but when it's like, suddenly there's like emotions wrapped up when that sort of stuff happens, what it's our hands closing around things that actually starts choking it out and making it really not helpful. Um, so navigating, can guys and girls be friends and not get comp and things not get complicated like well they can be friends but it doesn't mean it won't be complicated um it's really about how do you navigate it also a uh, side note and again this is general wisdom i think uh if especially if there is like some romantic element within a friendship um in any way by one person both doesn't matter uh one-on-one -on -one hanging out generally adds confusion so just hang out in groups like Again, that's general. Apply it as necessary when necessary. That's not like a blanket statement kind of thing. Um, also, if you're confused, seek to resolve confusion. Sooner is better than later. The sooner you bring up your feelings or what's going on, the better. Preserving friendships by bringing it up sooner than later. Um, ask the questions. Don't make demands. And then uh, do the rest of all the things I've discussed. And then finally, rely on God's wisdom in that moment. In that moment, rely on his wisdom. I'll just read some proverbs, some verses here. Um, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. That's out of James. Proverbs, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Isaiah 55, my, for my thoughts, this is God speaking, are not your thoughts, neither are, my, are your ways my ways. Proverbs 9, fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 15, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. Um, accept that God is relational, and he's not like a ticket booth or a transactional thing where you're just like, I need my wisdom, please. Thank you. Okay. All right. You know, he's somebody who wants to walk with you through it. He wants to navigate it with you. Um, also, bring it to him first. Go to him first. Even in marriage, Amy and I have to exercise this. It's so tempting just to bring it all straight, straight to her. It's tempting uh, if you've just had an interaction, you just had some moment with that dude, and you just want to text the girls right away. Seek their affirmation or comfort or get their input on the, on the interaction, whatever it is. For you guys, it might be tempting just to sit in your thoughts and just stew and stew and stew and just stay there thinking about what happened, thinking about how it went, thinking about what you could have done different. What it, well, she, her eyebrow lifted at that moment. Why did it lift? Like we can get wrapped up in all this stuff. Go to the Lord. Bring it to him. In the moment, bring it to him. 
Uh, you don't always have to share every thought you have with the person you're talking with also. Just know that. Also, after the moment, like, who's the first person you want to tell and who's the feedback that will be most important? The Lord's. Bring it to Him. And also, like, way after the moment, like, continue to go to Him. <laughs> continue to go to Him. Amen? Okay. Um, band, come on up, please. Thank you. Um, guys, the, the core of all this, I'd say, is I know so many of you are navigating hard things. You've been in a spot where you, your heart went further than it should have and then got crushed. Or you... Uh, You led someone else's heart further than you should have, and you crushed theirs. It's messy. It's messy. But it doesn't mean it's not worth it. And it also doesn't mean that's the end. Like, you're going to be okay. But seek the Lord. Even in your brokenness, He loves you. Even in your weaknesses, He loves you. Even in all your failures, He has plans for you. Like, he's not done. He's in the business of redeeming. He's in the business of cherishing and championing you. Like, he is on your side. So even when you don't feel like it, even when you feel like you're totally lost, adrift, and everything you touch romantically dies. <laughs> he hasn't given up on you. He hasn't turned his back on you. He's with you, and he loves you, and he has a purpose and a plan. So hang in there. Amen? Amen. Let's sing.